Well, hello, and welcome to the very first episode of a brand new podcast called What Are You Creating? <laughs> My name is Cliff Ravenscraft. I am the host of this show. And if you've never heard of me before, I'm not new to podcasting. I started podcasting as a hobby back in December 2005. A week after that I got started, I invited my wife to join along with me through some very interesting circumstances. We had tens of thousands of subscribers by our third episode, and within 18 months, I began asking myself, how could I turn this hobby into a full-time career? In January 2008, I became full-time self-employed, created a ton of content over the years. In fact, I have over 40 different podcast shows with over 4,500 podcast episodes. My first 10 years in business, full-time self-employed, was as the Podcast Answer Man, where I personally am responsible for helping more than 40,000 people in this world launching their very own audio podcast, helping them take their message, their business, and or their life to the next level. Back in September 2017, I decided that I wanted to live my life in the fullest expression of myself, and I made the transition away from the brand Podcast Answer Man and instead transitioned to Mindset Answer Man. Today, I guess you could probably identify me as a professional mentor and coach. I do a lot of business mentorship, but also life mentorship in all areas of life. Well, that's a little bit about my backstory. If you want to learn more about me, you can learn more over at cliffravenscraft.com. And as I said, I have a lot of other podcast shows, seven shows currently in production right now on a pretty consistent basis. You can find a list of all of my shows at cliffravenscraft.com slash podcast, or just click podcasts in the navigation menu on the website at cliffravenscraft.com or mindsetanswerman.com, either place. Anyway, so what is this brand new, what are you creating podcast all about? Well, I decided that it's finally time for me to have a pure, full-blown, every single episode is an interview format podcast. (laughs) These are quite the rage among so many people. They've really never been my favorite type of show, at least from a consumer standpoint. I occasionally will subscribe to a podcast where every episode is an interview, and just as as frequently as I subscribe to them, I find myself unsubscribing when episode after episode after episode comes out and I'm not listening and they kind of pile up. But occasionally I love to tune in to a podcast that has an interview with somebody that, oh, I'd love to hear that. And because that's been my experience, I guess maybe some Part of me thinks, well, why would anybody want to hear me interview people episode after episode after episode? But I just know that there are some people who really genuinely love to hear interviews. Even if they don't know who the person being interviewed is, they love hearing other people's stories. Now, I got to say, I love interviewing people and I love getting to know other people's stories, but I want to be a part of the conversation. And so I guess let's give this a shot. Let me take the people that I know, both the people that are people that I know incredibly well, or maybe somebody I've just come across them recently. And it's like, oh my gosh, what you're doing is pretty awesome. I'd love to learn more about it. 
And so I wanted a podcast where I could just have conversations with anyone and everyone and kind of with the feel that every episode is focused on this question of what are you creating in this world? So every episode of this brand new podcast is going to be with, it's going to feature a conversation with somebody who is intentional, who has chosen, this is what I want to create in this world. This is what I want to create in life. This is the life that I'm creating for myself. This is the way I show up and serve others. What are you creating? And in this very first episode, and I've got several of these conversations already recorded, I just need to get in and do some post-production on them, but the first one that I've chosen to share with you is a friend of mine. His name is Kevin Davis. He's been a part of my mastermind group for several years now, and he recently published a book titled Young and Strong at 40 and Beyond. And I invited him to come into a service called Clubhouse, and so I've built a pretty significant community over there, and I wanted to help him promote his book. And I recorded that conversation, and I thought to myself, wow, if I had an interview-based format podcast, this this episode, this recording that I did with Kevin on Clubhouse, this would make a great interview podcast episode. But I don't really have an outlet for that until now. And so without any further ado, the focus of what Kevin Davis is creating in this world is a healthier approach to life, helping people understand the importance of their health and fitness journey, especially for entrepreneurs and especially for people who are hitting that, you know, their 40s and 50s and maybe even into your 60s and you're starting to notice that things are starting to slow down and what you kind of got by with without really too much physical fitness or eating healthy, all of a sudden it's starting to catch up with you and and the same things that were working for you previously maybe aren't working for you so well now. (laughs) It's a fascinating conversation. I am someone who understands the full benefit of the information that I'm about ready to share with you. And who knows, maybe you're already well-versed on what it takes to live a healthy and fit lifestyle. But there was a part in my entrepreneurial journey where I didn't know this, and I struggled for many years. And what I will say is back in November 2014, I was introduced to the concepts and the insights that Kevin and I talk about here in this conversation I'm about ready to share with you. Now, he didn't have this book back then, and I didn't even know Kevin in November of 2014. But the information that we talk about here today is what convinced me that I needed some changes. And as a result of that, back then in November 2014, I made a decision. I'm going to work out six days a week, every week for the rest of my life. And then following that, I made some subsequent decisions about radically shifting the, the lifestyle of how I eat, what I physically eat in this world. And over the past few years, or actually over the next few years after that, I lost over one hundred pounds of body fat. I have put on about 25 to 30 pounds of pure muscle mass. And it has been more than seven years now, and I am still healthy, physically fit, no pain. I experience pure, clean results on all of my blood tests and everything. 
I am living a life at age 49 that is more vibrant. I'm I look younger. I look probably 10 years younger at 49. Uh, than I did when I was at 30. And so I, I look younger at 39 than I did when I was 30. And I could show you all the before and after pictures. If you're ever in a conversation with me, just ask me to pull out my phone. I'll show you a before and after picture and it will blow your mind. I know the vital importance of what this conversation has. And if you have not read a book that helps you understand the biology behind eating healthy and the biology behind exercise, I would highly encourage you to pick up Kevin's book. It's mentioned many times, and of course, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Without any further ado, welcome to this first episode of What Are You Creating? And you're about ready to hear from my good friend, Kevin Davis. This is what he is creating. Kevin, why don't you please share a little bit of a background about your area of expertise. Why are you qualified to write a book on health and fitness? Well, first of all, I want to thank you for hosting this for me. I know that we've talked about health for a long time and I followed your journey as well. A little bit about my background is I'm a physician assistant. I've been in practice since 1994. I did own my own clinic up until last fall and uh, currently sold that and working for the people who had bought my clinic. But my health journey started probably about 10 years ago and uh, working in the health care field, you know, I see patients on a daily basis as family practice. So I see them from young to old. And uh, some of the things that I found over and over with a lot of my patients is they were doing what I was telling them to do, but they weren't getting the results that they wanted to get. You know, their lab work came back okay, their blood work, their vital signs were fine. And I would tell them everything was fine, but then they would tell me, no, I don't feel good. I'm still tired. They have you know, certain problems that, that just didn't uh, get better. So that kind of led me in a journey as far as figuring out what's going on. There's multiple people tell me the same thing. And then around that time, I was around 40. So I started some experiencing some of these things as well. So I started taking more deeper dive into more than just what I was taught. The healthcare industry right now pretty much wants to treat people who have chronic disease, but there's very limited education and very limited time spent in trying to prevent chronic disease. And ironically, one of the big things that started with my journey was my wife. Several years ago, she came to me with something called a ketogenic diet, which Cliff is very familiar with. And it, it was pretty much everything against what I thought of and what I was taught in school. I'd always been the, the person who, you know, ate several times a day, ate low fat, but I was getting to the point where, you know, I wasn't getting results. So she showed me this ketogenic diet. And of course, I wanted to set out to see what it was about and not let her do something that I thought was detrimental to her health. But after a few months of researching it, I was convinced this is, this makes metabolic sense. And ever since that time, we have progressed as far as our health, starting with the diet. And then, you know, eventually we're incorporating things like sleep and exercise and uh, all kinds of different aspects of your health. And that's kind of led me to where I'm at right now is we do a ketogenic diet still. It's kind of modified, but we've come to the conclusion that, you know, it's not just about your diet. It's about your lifestyle. And there are certain things that we can do now to help prevent these chronic diseases. And that's where it led me to write this book 
to kind of like open up the eyes of folks, give them hope that there is things that you can do now. And you don't have to go down the pathway of uh, your parents or your grandparents of certain health conditions if you start making some changes now in your health. That's kind of like where we're at right now with our health. We're walking this same walk as I coach people, as I do with my patients. Uh, we're doing the same things. And uh, our, our health journey has, has improved our health over the last 10 years. Both me and my wife are better off now than when we first started. There are a couple of things that I want to point out just to speak to Kevin's credibility for those who are listening to this, and it would be beneficial. So for one thing that immediately stood out to me, Kevin introduced himself, said, I'm a physician assistant and I owned my own clinic until recently. And I want to speak to that for just a moment. Many years ago, I hosted a mastermind group called the Podcast Mastermind. And I had a friend who had participated in that. He also was a physician assistant. And prior to him being in that mastermind group, I really had no clue what a physician assistant was. All I, I mean, for, in my mind, I just picture, and, and what I'm doing is I'm speaking into maybe some of the people here who might be as ignorant as I was about what is a physician, because I'm thinking a physician assistant must be somebody who has been trained to walk alongside a medical professional and assist them, like taking notes or dictation. <laughs> Yeah. And and I know that sounds crazy and and but it's just it was just the way that I thought. I'm imagining somebody who might similarly be unfamiliar with what a physician assistant that designation is. And then all of a sudden to say a physician assistant who owns their own clinic. What? What does that mean? And the reason why this is important cuz I want people to understand the words that you speak are actually well informed medically. Cuz in my mind Kevin the the what you first of all how long did you own the clinic? 17 years. So that's one thing I want you to understand uh, as you're listening to this. You're speaking to somebody who has owned their own medical clinic for 17 years. On average, Kevin, how many patients do you see per day? Right now, uh, it's a little bit more with COVID, but it's around 40 to 45 patients a day. So 40 to 45 patients per day. For all intents and purposes, if I lived in your hometown and I came to your clinic and I saw you, that's no different than me living in my hometown going into my local doctor's office, my primary care physician. As far as the advice, the, the things he's going to check, the things he's going to ask me, the things he's going to diagnose, there's really no difference whatsoever other than legal things, what you have to do versus what he would have to do. Can you explain that just briefly? Yeah. As a physician assistant, we're trained to see patients on our own. I'm the only provider at our clinic. And so when people come to our clinic, they come to see me. There's no other doctor there right now. The thing that with a physician assistant is we have to have a supervising doc, but he doesn't see patients unless it's necessary. And 99% of the time, he doesn't even see any of the patients that I see. So a lot of people come to each, actually my clinic, and I have to correct them that and tell them that I'm not a doctor, I'm a physician assistant, but they keep calling me doctor anyway. As long as they know there is that distinction legally, I have to tell them that. But they look at me as their sole provider, just like anything else. What you said, I evaluate them order test, order medication, admit them to the hospital, get blood work, whatever it may be, we do uh, exactly what a doctor would do in, in that situation. 
The other thing for folks to know is that outside of Kevin for 17 years serving all these patients in the clinic, in his free time, guess what this guy loves to do? Serve people in their area, their health and physical fitness. And for the last couple of years, he's been offering one-on-one coaching for functional health. We won't necessarily mention the person's name, but there's a mutual friend of ours who is a very successful entrepreneur. He came to you and without giving any of his name or details, can you tell us what caused him to come to you for your one-on-one functional coaching and what did you guys find out through some of the testing that you did and, and some of the transformation he experienced? I know who you're talking about. It is, it's a high-level executive. He's owned multiple businesses. And as he was aging, he wasn't sleeping. He experienced some brain fog. After discussions you know, with him, he hired me as his coach. And through blood work and uh, just uh, talking through things and uh, going back to what we call our four pillars of health, we, we've kind of identified some of the problems that he was having, and we were able to correct those so that uh, he is able to sleep better. His brain fog has uh, gotten much better. And as a side note, he lost 60 pounds. Uh, and that's not why he came to me. The thing that, that I uh, love about what I do is a lot of people will come to me for weight loss, but the thing that is very interesting and it shows in his case is once he started getting healthy, weight loss was secondary. It came off because he got healthy. So it's kind of like a reversal in your mindset is you want to get healthy to lose weight. It's not necessary. You want to lose weight to get healthy. So, you know, him as well as some other clients that I've had, you know, they've been able to experience the benefits from the changes that we have in our book. That's the kind of avatar that we have is uh, people who are, are entrepreneurs who are spending a lot of time and stress and maybe some sleepless nights trying to get them to realize that, you know, they need to make some changes just like I did with him. You can enjoy the fruits of your labor so you don't run your health into the ground and not able to enjoy those things. And, you know, what I found is the earlier that we start with this process, the better results that people get. Just a little bit of my backstory for those who may be unfamiliar. I'll just say it in a few, as few sentences as possible. I was an online entrepreneur, had started my business in January 2008, my first year in business. I worked 12 to 14 hours a day, seven days a week without a single day off for the first nine months. Finally decided to take one day off a week, but I actually increased the number of hours that I worked the other six days. At the end of my first year in business, uh, thanks to God, I was profitable in my first year in business. Uh, however, my profit personally, I only made $11,000 net income that year. Uh, and I celebrated with a 24-hour nonstop online podcast marathon, which ended with me going to the hospital right after it finished and uh, found that I had a massive gallstone attack. I had multiple gallstones in my uh, in my stomach, and and not only did I have gallstones, but I also had one stuck, I guess, up in my esophagus or something like that. But um, basically, almost died in the hospital. And here's the other thing that I know, Kevin. Uh, prior to starting my own online business, I was an insurance agent. I sold auto, home, business, life, and health insurance. So here's what I can say, and and tell me if you back this up. The average person, let's just say 50 years old, 
entrepreneur, business person, or maybe lead executive, high responsibility leadership in a business setting. Average 50-year-old typically has either high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and potentially diabetes. They're on at least one to three medications at age 50. Is That's what I found and where I saw this, by the way, the way, the way that I can say this accurately is because I sold a lot of life insurance policies to these folks and they wanted sizable life insurance policies, you know, $1 million plus, and that required blood work and physical and exam and all this other stuff. And I can tell you right now, filling out their applications, are you on any medications? And anybody over the age of about 45, there was, is there, are you on any medications? I had to write down one, two, three, and sometimes more medications. Would you say that's accurate with the number of people that you see at that age? Yeah, I think so. Because, you know, what happens is over time is, you know, once you get to be 45 or 50, if you're not taking care of yourself, there's a lot of things that your body used to compensate for that just can't compensate anymore. And you start having these issues come up. If you're taking medications, and I prescribe medicine, so I don't want to think think anybody think I think medicine is, is not a good thing. But if you are on medications, and, and I would say the majority of the, of the time this is true, that there's something that's not right. There's something that's functioning not correctly in your body. You know, when you get to be that age, and, and that's kind of like what led me to this because I wasn't on any medications, but I was 40 when I started this health transformation for myself. It's because I could feel it. The accumulation of uh, the things that an entrepreneur would do over time, the sacrifices they'll make not just with their you know, personal life, but with their health. And usually by that time, you start seeing some of these issues pop up. I want to start leading into some of the things that I discovered in the book. I, the book just came out, so I've, I'm on chapter seven now. But I've, I want to share some of the things that I've heard and have you kind of explain it. So you talk about most people tend to have a lifespan that resembles a triangle and that it's possible and maybe the goal is to have a lifespan that resembles a rectangle. Can you, can you describe to those listening what that means? Yeah, a lot of times in, in my practice over the years, I've seen people, they get to be 40 or 50 and they're feeling well, but like we just talked about, things start taking effect in their body because your body doesn't compensate. And what I've found is over the last 20 years of their life, they keep coming in telling me they don't feel well, they don't have an energy to do things, they may have grandkids that they can't take to Disney World, they can't take trips that they've planned for years. And you know, when you get to be 45 or 50, you just have this gradually decline in health and energy and just the way you feel. One of the big drivers that we had as a couple is, and we've seen this in the clinic because I see the stress it puts on families, is as you age and you get to 60 or 70, then you start having to have your kids take care of you. That puts a strain on, on their family and then, you know, their spouses and their kids. And that's one of the things that we didn't want to do. We didn't want to have this gradually decline from age 50 to 70 or whenever God takes us home of just, you know, feeling worse and, you know, taking more medications, not being able to do things we wanted to do. So if you picture that as a triangle, it's just a, a gradual slope down uh, until we, you know, pass away. What we wanted to do is figure out how can we make this to where it's more of like a rectangle. 
So you're you're living your life. You're fifty, you're, but you're still you're still on that straight line. You're still doing, being able to do the things that you want to do. Uh, you have the energy to take your kids to uh, Disney World. You want to take those trips with your spouses that you put off during your entrepreneur days of building your business. So it's more of like a rectangle to where we live our life. We keep going. When we get to be 80, 85 or whenever, you know, like I said, God wants to take us home. We just, you know, we pass away, we end and, and, we're, and we're done. But we didn't have that gradually decline of not feeling well, taking more medications and being a burden on the rest of our families. The next thing that I want to point out here is the book is called Young and Strong at 40 and Beyond. So we're talking at 50, 60, and 70. And I can understand, and I already know the answer to my own question, but I can understand how we can be strong at age 70 and beyond. But what are you talking about being young at age 70? Can you explain a little bit of what is the difference between physical age and biological age? There's your biological age, and that's a simple thing. You know, that's, you know, if you're 75 years old, you're 75 years old. You've been here for 75 years. Biological age is a little bit different in yeah, well, that, that. Kevin, I, just to just to say, you just said biological age. So you meant physical age is the one that is how long you're here. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Sorry about right, that. No worries. So, so that's easy. Everybody understands that part. Uh, biological age is is how your body is uh, functioning, and 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 a good way to look at that is we've all come across people who uh, let's just pick an age of being age fifty. And uh, they, you find out they're, that they're 50 years old and you're kind of shocked because they look 55 or 60. And, you know, the way you look is the way your health is a lot of the times. And uh, it just means that your, your, your biological clock has clicked a lot faster and the cells that you have in your body are older than what they should be. And if you compare that to a different person who is age 50 and uh, you find out they're age 45, you figure out, okay, what are they doing? Uh, you know, they look so much younger. When you look at a biological age, and there's, and there's different clocks that you can use that you can put data into. There's a Horvath clock that's uh, very commonly used to see what your biological age is. So you don't have to age biologically as you do with your physical age. It can be different, and that can be a positive thing or it can be a negative thing. It just depends on your lifestyle choices that you have. One of the things that's really common to see about that is your skin. If you have skin that appears to be healthy, that's a very good sign of having a younger biological age compared to someone whose skin is more thin. And that's something as you get older with the protein and even with estrogen in women, uh, it can affect the, the skin as well too. And you can see that their, their clocks can age a little bit more. Now, one of the things that we do with our clients is we do genetic testing. And one of the things that we offer with our genetic testing is a biological age. And it allows us to see, compared with your genetics and your blood work and things like that, that kind of like come into this report, we're able to see what someone's biological age is. That's a very interesting thing to follow because once we start making some changes, people's biological age actually decreases. So it goes back. That really motivates people to continue on this health journey because they can see that these numbers are improving and uh, you actually can reverse age. So that's what we talk about when we're talking about being young 
is, you know, we can't make a 75-year-old like a 35-year-old, although there's a lot of medical advances and things like that happening now that's going to be. But, you know, if you can be 70 but have the biological age of a 65-year-old, you just increase your chances of doing the things that you want to do as you get older, the trips that you want to take, feeling well, having the energy to do things. I remember watching The Biggest Loser, and that was one of the things, that was the first place I was ever introduced to this idea of biological age. And they would have somebody who's like 23 years old, but weighs 480 pounds. And they would take all of their measurements and all of this stuff and put in all this biological detail. And it's like, hey, your body's biological age is 73 years old. And yeah, exactly. And and so there's a lot of focus on on the scale and how much weight people lose. But if if more people who were to embark on a health and fitness journey were to understand the concept of biological age, I personally, I, I feel like for me, once I became aware of that, that was a much greater motivating factor for me than the number on the scale, especially once I started putting on strength training uh, on because that muscle stuff's heavier than that fat stuff. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, I'm just, it's like, where's my progress? And it's like, wait a second, my progress is that my biological age is reducing. I'm 49 years old and I, of course I didn't check out what my biological age was when I was 30, but my guess, Kevin, I, I would have to say that biologically, I am younger today at 49 than I was when I was 30 years old. Yeah, and I mean, like for, for many people, I mean, it, it's amazing the, the results that you can get. I use me personally because, you know, I don't want to disclose anybody else's health problems and things like that. But I'm 52 now. When I was 40, even when I was 25, I could not do a pull-up. I remember in high school thinking, man, I can never do a pull-up. And it was just, it's just a lack of strength. Now, and and, and I don't say this to, you know, uh, bring any light on myself or anything like that, but just to give people a, a sense of hope is now in one workout, I can do over 100 pull-ups. I'm getting older, but I'm improving my health. That's just something that I try to uh, go through this book and, and the things when I get on, you know, shows like this is I just want people to know that there's hope. You know, it doesn't matter where you're at. You may be able never to do 100 pull-ups and that's not a problem, but you just need to compare yourself to yourself. And if you're improving, then you're going to cheat some of the effects of aging just by your choices that you make. And uh, that's what's so important is to understand that, you know, there is hope with your health. You may be on a bag full of medicine. You may not be on any medications at all. But there are things that you can do to improve yourself over time. We're doing things now that I never thought we would do. It's just because we're continuing to want to get a little bit better, a little bit better. And uh, that's the kind of like mindset I think people need to have is you can get better, but it, you know, it takes some change to make some changes. There's one other thing that I would love for the average person to know. That is telomeres. Can you explain what telomeres are? Telomeres is a function of how you're aging. So the easiest explanations you can think about with telomeres is if you think about a shoelace, shoelaces uh, have this plastic cap on the end of them with this plastic cap you know you're able to tie your shoes they function uh, like they should 
what happens with telomeres, they got this plastic cap on them. It's uh, your chromosomes that, that they we're talking about. And over time, that plastic cap can kind of uh, deteriorate. It's just like if you have shoes and you have the same shoelaces for a year, and over time, you, you if your shoelaces become undone, you try to put the shoelaces back in the eyelet holes, but you don't have that cap on there, it's not functioning like it should. So telomeres are kind of like in the same aspect is over time, your telomeres, the end caps can unravel, and that can lead to chronic disease. Some of the lifestyle changes that you can make can help prevent those caps from uh, becoming undone, tearing up, so that your body can continue to function the way it needs to function. And they're even doing research today about potentially lengthening telomeres. Is that accurate? Yeah, there's a lot of research in that. There's something called mTOR that there's doing a lot of research. And the thing that really excites me is there's something called AMPK. If you look that up, AMPK is a like a master switch for turning on and off energy and how it expends energy. And uh, some of the things that are beneficial for something called this AMPK, which is a, like a protein kinase, which is an enzyme that's found in all your cells, is it helps increase your metabolism. It can help reduce things like insulin resistance. It can help with uh, blood flow. And there's a lot of things that just in your daily life that you start making some of these changes, this can boost your overall health. I don't go into detail. We don't have to go into a lot of detail because that may be may lose some people with this kind of stuff. But there's a lot of research that we do, not me personally, but I read about, I listen to that, you know, the things that I recommend in my book and to my clients is there's studies and there's things behind it that show why we do what we do. Lab work and genetics and, and there's all kind of testing that we do and we try to come up with a specific plan for a specific person so that they can get the benefit that they want depending on their actually individualized health. So I want to read two separate quotes from the book. I've got a bunch of quotes in front of me. One quote you said, beginning as an infant, the accumulation of toxins... Poor nutrition and lack of movement can affect your body when you're 40, 50, or 60 years old. That statement pointed out to me, it really was. In most cases, I think, unfortunately, as a parent, I, I, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm responsible for so much of this for my own kids. Mm-hmm. But, but this, this toxins... Gosh, how many toxins were introduced to myself and even to my children as an infant? How much poor nutritional choices? How much poor nutrition was a, and and also lack of movement even in those earlier years? The stuff that we're going to experience at 40, 50, and 60, it's the accumulation of what started all the way back in infancy. And so that's why it's it's essential. It's like, hey, we need to do something about this. Otherwise, we are going to experience this biological aging that causes us to be something like I talked about seeing on The Biggest Loser, somebody who's 23 years old, but but the biological age of that person is, is in their 70s, which means that, I mean, if you think about life expectancy, they're, they're getting near the end of their life expectancy in their mid-20s. 
Yeah, uh, I wish I had that number in front of me, but I don't have it. But they've done studies that show with babies, even in utero, before they're born from the mom's exposure, is there's already hundreds of chemicals that they're already exposed to even before they're born. So you start that process of the toxins. And, you know, we're talking about toxins from plastic bottles. That's why it's important that you, you find those bottles that are safe when you're having infants. And then you're talking about diet, even as a young person. I think fruit juice is one of the worst things anybody can take. But, you know, it's all everybody thinks it's healthy. But I've had kids that are nine years old in my clinic who have fatty liver. Now, people kind of like think, well, fatty liver is not a big problem. But fatty liver is one of the first things that you kind of see with a metabolism that is not working like it should. You're taking in too much fructose and it's getting stored as fat in your liver. So when I see that, and, and these kids, you know, if you look at them, this one uh, patient I'm thinking of, they were lean and they didn't, they looked healthy, but they're already starting to have signs of, of, of metabolic problems at age nine. And, you know, we talked about earlier being able to, your body being able to compensate. Well, your body may be able to compensate for 20 or 30 years, but then when you get to be 40 or 50, then things start showing up from things that started before age 10. I use this as, uh, hopefully, as a motivator to help people not only make, they're not willing to make changes in their own lives. If they'll make some changes in their family lives, it's going to help your kids out 20 or 30 years down the road. Kevin, you talk about the fact for the first 20, 30 years of our lives, our physical body, the way it's made up, can compensate for that poor nutrition, those toxins, and even that stress and all this other stuff. What you just said leads me to understand, it's like, well, how does it compensate and why does it stop compensating? And this quote, tell me if this is a quote that would partly answer why it compensates in those earlier years and why it slowly stops compensating. Here's here's a quote from the book that I pulled. Stress, poor diet, and chemical exposures and the like can cause damage to the cell membrane, which is not good. The cell mm -hmm. membrane is like a gatekeeper. That membrane allows good things like nutrition into your cells, and it also allows good things from your cells out of the cell so that it can move through the body to the places where it needs to be. However, when the cell membrane is not working properly, it will also let harmful byproducts into those cells. And it also, if there are harmful things into that cells, harmful things are created within the cell that are then also allowed out of the cell, which causes all of these problems. Is that an accurate, is, is that a perfect alignment with what you were saying is about how why our body can compensate in those earlier years because we have healthy cell membranes, but over those first few decades of our life, those cell membranes are being eroded away. Yeah. Uh, with the cell membranes, you know, there, you need to have good fats, you know, like avocado oil, olive oil, things like that. But the big problem with the, with the cell membranes is if you're eating like a standard American diet, you're eating a lot of seed oils and everything starts at the cell. No matter what we're talking about, everything starts at the cell level. You've heard of oxidative stress, those type of things that happens in our body. That's happening within the cell. When I think about your body, God's made us like a machine, if you think about it that way. 
your body's doing exactly what it is supposed to do. So uh, like the example with a fatty liver, your body is storing that excess sugar, that fructose that comes with like fruit juices and things like that. It stores the excess sugar as fat in your liver. So if you think about the way God made us, it's like, let's go back 500 years ago. You may be uh, living in uh, like where we live in the mountains of eastern Kentucky. Uh, You may kill a deer and have some berries. Well, you you eat those berries and you eat the meat for a couple of days. But then, you know, if winter sets in, then you're not having those things to eat. And your body is able to store that excess of uh, fructose and sugar in your liver as fat. Then when you go without eating, then your body's able to use that up and you don't develop fatty liver. The problem that we have is we don't skip meals. We continue to eat three or four times a day. You never get to those stores of the, of the fat in the liver and you never get it to be able to burn up to, uh, as far as for energy. So when we're talking about a cell level and we're talking about the toxins that it can have and then the things that we're doing at a younger age and your body compensating it, your body compensates that for a while, but then later on, that excess fat in your in your liver can lead to things like insulin resistance, to diabetes, and then when you get to be 40 or 50, you start seeing the repercussions of having those things. Another thing that you point out in the book is a lot of people will tend to just kind of give up. They're like, listen, you know, that's all great and wonderful. You Just because the genetic gods shone beautifully on you, you have great metabolism and all this other stuff, but you just didn't inherit the genes that I did, Kevin Davis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you wrote in your book, many of us tend to look at our genes as the rationale for everything that goes wrong in our body, but the truth is your genetics are not, they are not a life sentence. They don't have, they don't get to dictate your outcome with absolutely no input from you. And I love the metaphor that you gave. It's very it's very direct. But he, you said that uh, your genes are actually more like a loaded weapon. It's like a gun on a table that's been loaded. But that gun could potentially do no harm to you as long as you don't pull the trigger. Yep, and your lifestyle is a trigger. Exactly. And so the interesting thing, unlike that, where the metaphor kind of breaks down, thankfully is that uh, unlike uh, the damage done from pulling the trigger on a gun potentially, you can actually untrigger some of those genetic results. Is that accurate? Yeah, I have that from my personal standpoint. There's a gene that if, if you don't know your genetics, you need to know at least one of them is called your APOE gene. It has a very high risk uh, associated with like Alzheimer's and heart disease. And it, what's interesting is, is mine, you get one from mom, one from dad. So basically it's a two, three, or a four. So you can have two twos, two threes, two fours, or a two, four, three, four. So all those combinations of the numbers. For me, my numbers are three and four, which puts me at, I think, about a eight times risk of having heart disease or dementia. So I know that for my own health. So what I need to do is what kind of lifestyle changes can I make to help lessen my risk of having this? So we've talked about both of us kind of follow a ketogenic type diet. Now, I still do that, but I have to limit my saturated fat. I eat more monounsaturated fat than I do saturated fat because I know what my genetics are. My wife, she's different. 
she doesn't have to limit her saturated fat. So those genes that you have, you need to know what they are so you can make the best choices possible. There's probably a, people going to be listening to this and they may say, well, yeah, Cliff did really well on this ketogenic diet, but I've tried it. It didn't help me. Well, not everybody is the same. And that's where this individualized medicine comes in is Cliff may have gotten great results on this because his genes and, and his underlying health, your genes may be different. You may need something different as far as your diet is concerned. So like when I have clients now, not everybody does a ketogenic diet. I actually coach couples. I have a man and a woman. And uh, this has happened more than once. I have the man on one certain plan and I have the wife on another plan. And it's because they have different genetics and they have different labs and different problems. So if you try to do a ketogenic diet and your labs are not like what they should, you know, as far as like uh, predicting the ketogenic diet is going to be best for you. And we're talking about this gun on the table. Well, your lifestyle is going to pull that trigger because you're doing the wrong thing. Now, the next person's ketogenic diet may be fine, and they didn't pull the trigger because their lifestyle is what it should be. That's what we try to do with each person is figure out what's the best plan for them with their genetics and their blood work because I have dementia in my family, my uh, grandpa and, and things like that. doesn't necessarily mean that's what I'm going to get. Now, if I do the same things that they did to, to you know, put them in that situation, then my chances are going to be a lot more than what I'm doing now because my lifestyle is different than what their lifestyle was. That's the trigger. The interesting thing, when I was 18 years old, my dad was, he had ankylosing spondylitis and it was diagnosed and they said, ooh, this is, this is brought on by genetics. So he, it's a curvature of the spine, and it's where your, where some of your your back vertebrae, I believe, fuse together. So, Correct. and and so this is a genetic marker. And so at 18 years old, my dad's diagnosed with this. He says you need to go. They said you need to go get checked for this to see if you have this gene. And and they did a test, and they said you have the gene. Here's the interesting thing, Kevin is is that I had that gene. And they told me if you're not taking care of yourself physically, if you don't, you're, you're likely to experience ankylosing spondylitis, this fusing of the spine. It chances are by the time you're 45 or 50, you'll be wheelchair bound for the rest of your life. I didn't take care of myself in those early days, and I did get to the place where I was almost 300 pounds and almost died in the hospital after my first year of business, and when I decided I wanted to start taking care of myself and getting physically fit, I started to have extremely bad lower back pain and also extreme hip pain, and I'm like, oh gosh, man, this must be the beginning, the onset of that ankylosing spondylitis. And I went to these, uh, I went to chiropractors, I went to specialists, and finally, one doctor who was a specialist, I can't remember what kind of specialist, but he was the specialist that I was told to go to for this, and he said, Cliff, at this point, there's nothing you can do except for manage the pain through medication. And I said, okay, well, I, I'd like to get rid of the pain, so how do, how do we manage this with medication? Well, through steroidal shots, we will inject multiple needles into your hip once every six months. And I'm like, 
thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> I walked out of that doctor's office, and guess whose lifestyle changed, Kevin? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This guy. It's a big, you had a big reason. I had, there's two, there's only two fears that I have in this world. One was snakes, and the other one is needles. I can't even mm-hmm. watch a needle on a television screen. That's how f- fearful I was of needles. And I'm like, yep, nope, I'm done. And I started walking 10,000 steps a day, and it hurt. It hurt. And then I started learning, at the time, I started learning the Mediterranean-style diet, and I started eating that. And lo and behold, my lifestyle was radically different, and within just a few months, zero pain. Matter of fact, I haven't had any lower back pain or hip pain. It's been more than seven years since I've experienced any of that. Yeah, I see that on a regular basis when I get people to change. It's amazing how quick those things can happen. And the thing you're talking about, like with the pain in, in, the, in the back and the joints and things like that, one of the main drivers for chronic disease is inflammation. A lot of it has to do with your lifestyle. It can come from choices as far as the food that you eat. It can come from things, emotional stress can lead to inflammation. And then there's a lot of inflammatory processes like the ankylosis spondylosis, like you're talking about. But there's also issues in your gut that can cause uh, chronic inflammation and there's autoimmune uh, issues that can cause it. So the things that you're doing to help improve your pain is actually helping improve your whole body because you've made changes to lessen the pain to avoid the needles but you've also improved so many aspects of other parts of your body that you probably didn't realize at the time because that wasn't your big reason. The needles were your big reason. Yeah, the, the needles are what did it for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, t- today, I don't have a fear of needles anymore, but I'm thankful that I had that fear back then because mm-hmm. it was the leverage I needed. You yeah. know, you wrote in the book also, many people just want to take medication and not treat the original cause of their symptoms. I, I'm not going to speak any names, but I know people who take ibuprofen like it was, you know, candy for a kid. Uh, mm-hmm. so, but anyway, while medication Medication has its purpose, you said. It doesn't cure your body. It simply manages your symptoms. If you want to heal your body, you must give it what it needs to heal. I like what you said. You said you're not against medication, but medication isn't going to heal the body. Doing this for 10 years, I can. people come in with certain problems. Uh, let's just take heartburn. If you're having heartburn, something's not right. If you are taking Tums or if you're going to the drugstore and going in the aisle where the stomach medicines or you're getting prescribed those things, they're going to make you feel better, but they're not caught. They're not, you're not treating the problem or the cause of the problem. You're just kind of masking the symptoms. And I always give this example, you know, if you went to, uh, if you come into my office and you had strep throat and you had a fever of 102 and all I did was give you Motrin. It's going to make you feel better, but it's not going to treat the underlying infection. So when we're taking medications, even something as simple as Tums, or if you're buying some over-the-counter stomach medication, something's going on in your in your gut that's that's not right. And until you cure that, you're going to have to keep taking those medicines to to treat those symptoms. 
So that's what I try to get a lot of uh, folks to understand is there's so many things that you can do in a lifestyle. Changing some of the lifestyle choices that you that you make can be something as simple as curing your gut so you don't have to take those medications because when you take those medications, especially medicines called like PPIs, proton pump inhibitors, they decrease your acid in your stomach. Well, what happens when you decrease your acid in your stomach is you have problems with absorbing B12. So over time, you can become B12 deficient because you're not absorbing B12 because you don't have enough stomach acid in your stomach because you're taking these medications to treat a lifestyle choices of eating the wrong foods. So, you know, just one problem can lead to another uh, certain medications. And again, certain medicines are needed. There are certain conditions, even for your stomach, that uh, you you have to take because they're associated with cancer and different things like that. So we look at that, but there's a lot of people that if they would just make some lifestyle changes, then, you know, they can get rid of a lot of the symptoms that cause you to take medication. It's not guaranteed for everyone, but there's a lot of people today who might be listening to us having this conversation. They might be on high blood pressure medication, and by making some lifestyle changes within 12 to 18 months, they may no longer need that. There's some people who may be on some cholesterol medication or diabetic medications like metformin who, if they were to make some lifestyle changes within 12 to 18 months, it's possible that they may no longer be required for those either. Is, is that an accurate statement? Yes, very, very accurate. And again, the, the sooner that you, you kind of find these things out, the easier it is to treat and to kind of reverse. Uh, the longer it goes, just like if you don't fix your car and you hear a rattle and you, and you don't fix it for a couple of years, you may have to have an engine overhaul compared to just changing the oil if you would have done that at the beginning. The sooner you start addressing these issues, of course, the better off you're going to be. Of course, we're having this conversation because you wrote this book called Young and Strong at 40 and Beyond, available on Amazon, written by my friend here, Kevin Davis. Kevin, uh, we've only got just a few more minutes before we're going to wrap this up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the I, I We can't end this conversation without you talking about the simple four foundational pillars that can help people reduce their biological age. Can you speak real quickly about what the four pillars of health are? Yeah, I've come up with the four pillars of health because as you can tell from our conversation, we're talking about genetics, we're talking about all kinds of different things that can affect your health. And it gets confusing sometimes as far as like, okay, where do I start? So we've develop these four pillars. So no matter what we're talking about with anybody, we go back to these four pillars because it's like if you have a chair with four legs, if you don't have four sturdy legs, that chair is not going to be able to be used to sit on. So we need to have all these four foundational pillars so that we can have the health that we want to have. So we talk about a healing diet. It's not necessarily a ketogenic diet, a Mediterranean diet. It's it's a healing diet for your specific body, your specific genetics, what your blood work shows, and things like that, so that you can you can have the diet that's best for you. Uh, exercise, you know, uh, you've talked about movement in the, you know, I've quoted that in the book. You know, I think we have to have some kind of movement. If you look at the people who have lived, uh, you know, the centurions across the world, they move a lot. They carry things. They're always farming. They're doing those type of things. So they're actually moving and carrying things. So exercise is a key part of uh, increasing your longevity. 
sleep. And sleep is usually the hardest one to treat with people because I can't tell you, I can tell you to go exercise and you go, you can do that. But if you're having trouble sleeping, it's hard to do. This is the, usually the hardest one. If someone's having problems with one of these four pillars, it's the hardest one to correct. So we try to correct all these other ones first and then you get your sleep because when you're sleeping, there's so many things that's happening inside your body that you just don't realize. There's a lot of hormones that are produced. There's bit muscles that are being repaired. There's your glymphatic system, kind of like where your brain organizes all its thoughts during the day so that you can remember things. So there's so many things that has to do with sleep. That's a very key issue. And the last thing that we talk about is prayer. As a Christian, we talk about having that part of the day where we're not getting up and going, like that's called your sympathetic nervous system. We want to be in the rest and relaxation period, and that's called your parasympathetic. And prayer meditation will help your body adjust so that you're not always pushing on the gas. I use the example of driving a car. You got a brake which is your parasympathetic, and you got your gas pedal, which is your sympathetic. So when you're driving a car, sometimes you need to push on the gas, sometimes you need to push on the brake, but you don't need to push on them both at the same time. You need to have specific times where you're in rest and relaxation, putting on the brake, and you need to have times where you're get up and go, and that's your sympathetic. So you have to include that into your uh, regimen. We talk about your HRV, which is another whole topic, but Quickly, that, that's the four pillars of health that we have for everybody. Just in my own layman's terms, and thankfully I got it from your book, how I understand it is the, so people can understand sympathetic and parasympathetic, because those words would have meant nothing to me if I wouldn't have had your explanation that's in the book. But the sympathetic is kind of, in a way, it's that fight or flight kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's that thing that drives you to action and stuff like that. It's the thing where uh, it, it's the part of your, it, it's basically stress, Right. Yeah, and if you're, if you're an entrepreneur live, uh, and listening to this, you know what I'm talking about. You're in that mode all the time. And I have to, I'm in that mode more often than I'm, I should be sometimes. But it's your, you're always getting up and going. Your brain is always working. And it's your fight or flight. You know, it's like if a bear is chasing you, you need to have that system working so you can run away from that bear. But you're not running away from that bear all day long. There are certain times when you need to have that fight or flight working, and that's a good thing. But you also need to have the parasympathetic, which is your rest and relaxation. You need to have a balance between the two. Yes. And and so and I and I love that you even just brought out that analogy there, because I, I talk to entrepreneurs and they say, Cliff, you don't understand. I operate best under stress. If I'm not stressed, I procrastinate. And so, but the thing is, is my to-do list is endless. If I did everything on my to-do list, it would take me the next 75 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and their goal, crazy enough, is to do everything on their to-do list. And at the end of the day, let's just say they had 10 things on their to-do list. They got five of them done. They're still in sympathetic system the rest of the day, even while they're eating dinner with the family, while they're watching television, in the back of their head, their mind and subconscious mind is still trying to solve the problems. And how am I going? To, how am I going to do those other things that I didn't get to done today on top of the things that I know I have to do tomorrow? And so they're literally in this sympathetic system all the time. Yeah, and, and there's there's things you can do to measure that. I've actually had clients who told me that same thing, that they need to, they're, they're not stressed. This is the way they do things. 
and we do certain hormone tests and cortisol tests on them. And I show them the paper and they actually then get convinced that they need to make some changes because the labs don't lie. They just show you what it is. So it's very interesting. We start doing testing on these high active entrepreneurs who think their body is different than anybody else. And you start showing them, hey, no, your body is just like everybody else. You need to take care of it. So you have in the book, you have a chapter on each of these four pillars of health, diet, exercise, prayer and sleep. I want to speak to the prayer thing. And and you were I I love how I I was I'm like, I'm I'm waiting for because I know Kevin, Kevin, Kevin and I are both Christians. But Kevin has a, a more of what kind of a traditional approach to his Christian faith, which I love and I respect. And I'm like, oh, I wonder how he's going to mention prayer in here. And I and, and for those who are not Christian, I just want you to know specifically exactly what Kevin says. Listen, if if, if you're not a Christian, if, if prayer isn't your thing, then you can just re- replace the word prayer with meditation or breathing. The whole idea is whatever it takes for you to get out of your sympathetic system into your parasympathetic, which is rest and relaxation. Can you just park the restless thoughts? Can you park the, can you slow the car down and just sit back and take a nap? Can you can you just sit back and relax for a little bit? Can you take some deep inhaled breath and just forget about the past, forget about the future, and be filled with gratitude, some very positive emotions, and let your blood start doing some things that it's not able to do when it's in that sympathetic system. Yeah, I take my time in the morning before I start the day, and I take my prayer time. I incorporate breathing into it as well, uh, because there's so many, uh, if you've never read a book about breathing, like I've read a whole book about breathing and, and how it affects your whole body. Just learning certain techniques to be able to get into that parasympathetic mode because it's not something you have to do like all day long, but there's times where you can kind of identify you're having shallow breathing and that's usually when you're having stress and taking that time just to learn breathing techniques to get you to where you need to be so that you can have that balance. Well, the final thing we'll end on here, and I just want to let people know, so the opening of the book, it's going to talk about what is aging, how how do you know how old you are. It's a chapter on each of the four pillars of health that we just talked about. But then the, the rest of the book is uh, divided into some of the most common challenges people are facing. So, for example, do you have uh, digestive discomfort? Are you overweight? Do you have either metabolic syndrome or diabetes? chronic pain, lack of strength and muscle loss, impaired mental clarity, fatigue and low energy, sexual dysfunction, depression and anxiety, and cardiovascular disease. Each and every one of those has its own chapter and some very sound advice on what you can do. And then as far as maybe maybe you might be in a situation where you're 45, 55 years old, you're feeling really good and fit. You don't think that there's any health conditions that you have. That's wonderful. Congratulations. But if you don't do the four pillars of health, then you know that eventually what's been going on since you were an infant is going to start to cause that biological aging. So even if you're healthy today, he's got a bunch of chapters on here about optimizations, things that you can do. For example, would you like to learn a little bit about how to prevent cancer? Hmm. There's a chapter on that. Getting off of medications, genetics. What is methyl methylation? What is that? Me- methylation. 
All right, we we have no idea what it is, but get the book and read about it. I'm sure it's important. <laughs> I'm going to get to it uh, after this. Sometimes within the next couple of days, I'll get to there. Detoxing, my wife's always talking about detoxes. Leading your family toward health, your eyes, ears, and teeth. Choose, you're going to make me go to the dentist again. I know that. <laughs> Choosing your health specialist, making changes stick. Great book. Young and strong at 40 and beyond. Kevin Davis, thank you so much for creating this book. If people wanted to follow you more and learn more about you after they read this book, how can they follow you? We have a website, kevindavishealth.com. You can order the book and there'll be more things on the website coming up in the next week or two. Certain testing that we do, I'm going to put some things like that on there. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and the book. If you do get it, there's my links in there. So you can just follow there. You can always reach out to us too. You know, I love answering questions. We have a podcast. It's called Our Ketogenic Life. We've had it for, I don't know, two and a half, three years. Uh, there's a lot of information that you can get from that. Uh, going back and, you know, re-listening some of the episodes, especially if you're interested in the ketogenic diet, uh, we explain a lot of the benefits and how to do that. And we're trying to transition that into what we're talking about in our book as far as different problems. Like tomorrow's episode is going to be associated with Valentine's Day. So if you're concerned about your heart and how healthy it is, we're going to talk about which labs you need to get for so that you can assess your risk for heart disease and and you know things you can do to increase your chances that you won't develop heart disease. Kevin, thank you so much, my friend. I am so thrilled and honored to know you, the way that you show up and serve your patients, your clients, and now even more who are not able to to access you directly that can now go through and get access to this incredibly vital information about health and fitness, young and strong at 40 and beyond. Get your copy today at amazon.com. I appreciate you having me on, Cliff. I enjoy talking with you. Well, there you go. That was my conversation with Kevin Davis. I hope you'll check out his book, Young and Strong at 40 and Beyond. And I just want to let you know here at the end of this very first episode of this podcast that this show is sponsored by me, Cliff Ravenscraft, the Mindset Answer Man. Hey, if you're a entrepreneur or a business owner, full-time self-employed, or you want to become one, I would encourage you to check out my next level mastermind for business owners or for people who are full-time self-employed. If you've ever found that it gets a little lonely at the top, or maybe you're facing decisions in your business and it's hard to find other people around you that can give you insightful advice and feedback on what it is that you're facing. It's not to say that you don't have people that support you. It's just, do they understand the kind of decisions that a business owner faces on a daily basis or a weekly basis? Uh, Or what if you could be surrounded by a bunch of people who are on this journey, the same journey that you're on as a business owner, where every single person in that group that shows up every single week brings all of their education, all of their experience, all of their areas of expertise, their skills, talents, and abilities, and they say, listen, once a week, every week, I come here and bring everything I have of value and offer it to you to help you succeed. And of course, if you're interested, we would ask that you make the same commitment to every other person in this group. That's called the Next Level Mastermind. You can learn more over at nextlevelmastermind.info. 
Or if you're not a business owner and you want to talk about how to take an area of your life to the next level, any area of your life to the next level, level, check out my one-on-one coaching offering. You can apply for that over on my website. Just go to MindsetAnswerMan.com or CliffRavenscraft.com. They'll take you to the same place. Click the Work With Me tab and fill out the application for one-on-one coaching. I look forward to the potential of working with you. Until next time, I encourage you to take everything you do to the next level. Mindset Answer Man.